0: so naive when life was good weather and palm trees back in the day you were everything i need but then along came a time when you crushed my dreams oh yeah you played me like a fool when you made me believe that the line between love was hey
1: everyone i'm your host comedian elizabeth lopez and this is Liger Mom. welcome and thank you so much for listening i really truly appreciate it um i wanted to start this podcast because i I just wanted to talk about my journey of parenting and I wanted to discuss it with others as well, especially with other comedians because comedians are so goddamn funny. Um, so I really respect their um, their perspectives. So why don't I start by telling you a little bit about myself. So I'm a comedian in the New York, New Jersey area. Um, I have a, depending on when you listen to this, I have a seven-year-old daughter, almost eight, Um, and she's been an interesting kid. I'll just put it that way. Um, Difficult, challenging, all of the words. Um, She was, from a very young age, just so hyperactive. Um, You just never could take your eyes off of her. Um, Yeah, and that's been really, that was really tough. She was also very demanding. Like, she needs what she wants now, type of thing. And she just has this huge personality, which I've grown to really love and appreciate. And she's just got this confidence that's through the roof, which I don't know where the fuck she got that confidence from because my husband and I were very shy kids and we have low self esteem. Um, Although my husband's is better than mine. uh, So I have no idea where this girl came from. She's not like anyone that we know. But I've really grown to love her personality. And I
0: really hope she does big things in her life one day. So you could
1: probably hear my husband in the background calling me. It's like... uh, the role as a wife and a mother is just never ending. And even when you're trying to go off and do your own thing, like a podcast, they still want to find you and say, oh, I need something. Dude, come on. You can figure it out yourself. You're a big boy, okay? Let me do my thing. So yeah, as I was saying, she's a challenging kid challenging and demanding kid so as you can imagine I didn't want a second kid for a long time I was just like if every kid is like this I'm I'm not doing it I can't I don't have it in me although I gotta say as a once you become a parent it's like the well of patience that you have it's deeper and you can put up with almost anything Especially because it's your kid. And all you want is for your kids to survive and thrive and, you know, be good people in the world. But yeah, so I didn't want another kid for the longest time until I hit 30. I'm currently 33. So once I hit 30, it was like that biological clock just went off and was like, it's time. It is time. Every time I saw a baby, I just wanted to fucking steal it just wanted to steal it and take it home and make it mine and just eat it up. But, uh, that's fucking crazy. So I didn't. Obviously. Because I would be a Lifetime movie right now if I did that. So now I'm 33. Took nearly four years. Because I'll be 30. Oh, fuck. I'm 32 the fuck is wrong with my brain man there's really something wrong with me it's like i'm jumping ahead and i shouldn't be i need to relax i'm 32 i'm 32 almost 33 so it'll be going on three years where i've been trying to convince my husband to have another kid and the timing was always off um one thing about my husband is that he's a recovering alcoholic um and we went through the damn thing Rehab twice. Um he went to one of the best places on the East Coast, was drinking within two weeks after. Then he went to one of the shittiest places you could go to. He went to a rehab in Salvation Army in Springfield, Massachusetts. And if you don't know Springfield, Massachusetts, just picture a pile of shit and that's it. So he was there with some really hard dudes, and he learned some tough lessons, but he finally cleaned up, and now he's been sober for three years. Um, so obviously at the beginning of his sobriety, he was still like... They say at the beginning of your sobriety, it's like being a baby all over again, you know? Like your first year, your, your one-year-old, um, at least emotionally. And I think that totally makes sense. So it's like... You don't want to put the stress and pressure of having another kid on someone that's newly sober, because it'll just drive them to to that substance again. So I put it off. I put it off as much as I wanted to, like trap him and like just stop using my birth control. Uh, I didn't. In fact, what I did so that th- I didn't do that and trap him a second time. Um, I got an IUD put in, um, yeah, and then I went from that to Nexplanon, so I really couldn't remove it on my own, uh, without a doctor's assistance. If you don't know what it is, Nexplanon is an implant that they put into your arm, like your upper arm, um, and you can kind of feel it wiggling around. I played with it a lot, it was the weirdest fucking thing, but you need a uh, you need assistance from a doctor to take it out. You can't just cut it out on your own because you really fuck yourself up. so yeah, I did that as a precaution because the biological clock thing is a real thing. You will do anything it takes to have a kid when that biological clock starts ticking. It's so crazy. so yeah, so that's what I did to put it off and. I just really enjoyed my time with having one kid and enjoyed the calm uh, that that time brought. But then finally this year, we were like, okay, let's do this. Um, So we've been trying for about a year now and nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. My husband called himself the one-shot doc. Like, oh, all you need is one shot from me and that's it. You're pregnant. Such a fucking lie. Such a lie. Because it turns out uh, he might be the problem. So much for the one-shot doc, right? But anyway, so... Now we're trying. um, Even though we have COVID going on, so... I guess it might be a little selfish of us to bring a kid into the world with COVID and Trump and everything else but you know what fuck it and fuck what everyone has to say about it it's my body I can do whatever the hell I want with it if I want to put another kid in it I'm gonna do that and that's that But anyway, I don't want to ramble too much in the beginning of this. I just want to share a little bit of my parenting journey. Um, You'll get to know me a little more as the podcast progresses. And hopefully I'll get better at talking in these intros. Uh, So yeah, I hope you'll take the journey with me. Um, If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, I have a Gmail set up. It's called... Ligermompodcast at gmail.com I want this to be a really cool community. I just want this to be a community of like-minded people that are just struggling. Not struggling, but just getting through the damn thing, you know? Um, And I want everyone to know that, you know, you're not alone in this. So, please, email me. With anything that you have to say, and we'll maybe we'll discuss it on the podcast. Um, so, so now we talk about my first guest. My first guest is comedian Jessica Miranda. We had a really cool conversation where we talked about all things mental health, parenting, and comedy. And how all of those things collide in our worlds. And she's super talented. She's really funny. Uh, I had a really great time talking to her. So, hopefully, you guys have a great time listening. So, here's Jessica Miranda.
2: So exciting on Facebook, by the way. I am such a good imposter on Facebook and (laughs) social media. I'm so good at it. Like I really feel like I could brand anyone into anything. I can shape anyone into anything on on social media. I feel like um, I think because I taught photography. For like eight mm. years, I feel like I know how to like move the dirty laundry out of the shot and like get, I mean, it's my house does not look like it does on Facebook. Like I'm just good at like, right now there's actually, there was a keyboard that my son plays Zoom piano lessons on and I just uh-huh. like, I just literally put it on the floor. So it's not, <laughs> even right now I'm staging myself like I have this. Spacious room, but I I don't really have the spacious room.
1: (laughs) I know, I know. I'm looking at your wall. Your wall looks so nice, and, like, the frames are all, like, neatly put up and all that. Yeah. Yeah. You're (laughs) really good at that. I need some help with that. I feel like I don't have enough of a a presence on social media. Just...
2: I feel like I make my family crazy about because I'm always like, they're like, what are you moving that for? What are you doing that for? And I'm like, well, I got to take a picture of my tomatoes from the garden. Right <laughs> I saw that
1: one. Yeah, they looked yeah, great. Was, Even I, the
2: bowl I, was cute. And I, and I made that bowl. I'm a ceramic artist, too. Oh so gosh. I'm like, yeah, so I love that bowl, too. But I, mm-hmm. it's so funny when I'm when I'm picking the tomatoes, I'm like, How, what bowl am I putting this in? What table is it going on? What room do I have to clear? <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing.
1: Yeah. I love it. So like overall, how's quarantine been w- with, you know, with the kids and-
2: overall it's been okay. You know, it's like, um, it has this up, its ups and downs, like, um, virtual school was tough because my husband is an architect in New York city. So he mm. came home and he was working from home. I'm a high school teacher. So I was home doing virtual high school for the first time. Um, my s- kids were doing virtual school and they were on their zoom meetings with their teachers. So every like inch, of, like there was somebody in every corner of the house doing a Zoom meeting or whatever. And then also everyone's in their underwear pretty much. All day. <laughs> so it's like, I don't, it was just mayhem, you know, it was mayhem, you know, but we pick our battles. Like I, uh, I, I felt like, I know I hate to say this as an educator, but I just felt like my job and my husband's job were more important than me making sure my kids were on school all the time. So like they would miss meetings sometimes, but I would always write an email and it was mm-hmm. crazy, you know, I'm not, it, it, it was crazy. But this, I'm hoping, I really don't think we're going to have real school this year. I, it, that's my gut instinct. I don't think so either. Even though they're saying like Governor Murphy's pushing for it and, and some people are like chiming in on Facebook, like, well, this school's opening and that school's opening. I teach in a high school in Bergen County. Right now, we almost have the same kind of hybrid going in half a day only with students from you know, A and B. So really the physical time together would be two or three times a week for half a day to see each individual student. And then the rest of the time would be a hybrid virtual at home in the afternoons. Um, I don't even understand why to risk exposure for a half a day together. Mm-hmm. I mean, I but I do understand the, um, the importance of socializing and total kids because that's where like I feel my, I'm lucky I have three boys that are all close in age. And even though they want to kill each other and they don't want to be near each other, they, at least I feel like there's something good about them having each other. And I'm always, in, I'm always saying, well, you have each other and they're like, oh, well, I'd rather be an only child, but whatever. Uh-huh. You know, but the, the importance of socializing is, I, I don't know. I don't know what the risk is yet. I don't know how, what's going to happen, but I, I, I really don't think, I feel like we're going to be virtual again. So I'm gearing up, I'm making videos of my lessons. I'm trying to get ready now to see, you know, what's going to happen. But it's, um, it's a, it, it's a juggling act, you know, and, and then I'm also obsessed with comedy right now. Like I am focusing hard on comedy. I'm doing more comedy now than I did before COVID because a mom of three and a high school teacher can't go hanging out in bars every night of the week. So I was mm-hmm. always missing Uh, mics and show opportunities and and now I'm like doing comedy every single night on zoom That's Um, amazing. And it doesn't feel the same obviously like and I've had arguments with comics already and comedians who are You know said it's not the same like I had this stupid argument on social media that I erased because I didn't want that negativity on my social media, but Mm -hmm. Somebody said to me don't pretend you're doing real comedy when I was promoting a zoom show and I was, I got that really upset. because Fighting I, words. Yeah, fighting words. And I don't even know this person very well. And I just didn't understand where it was coming from. But it made me feel bad because I, I, to do, to write, like you want to you talk about the writing process a little bit of a mom of three. The only time I can get a thought is in the middle of the night. So when I put them to bed, I'm up till three o'clock in the morning trying to write,
0: wow. you know,
2: drinking iced coffee or Red Bull in the middle of the night. And, mm-hmm. but you know what that is? That's not that. comedy is an art like I'm a ceramic artist and a painting artist but now I'm not doing that but now I'm pouring all of my creative uh feeling into comedy writing and it's a it's a whole new medium for me and art used to keep me up all night like creating visual art but now comedy is keeping me up all night creating the the you know the the uh the written word and 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 the performance part of it you know so um I feel like covid has really given me a lot of uh, opportunity to meet comedians from all over the place. Like I'm working with yes. California comedians more than I'm working with New Jersey and New York comedians right now. Like I'm meeting comedians who played the clubs out there and it's, it's exciting, you know? And I was just on a show actually with a guy who like a week ago who now has COVID. I was just on mm-hmm. And I was like, well, it was a zoom show. So I don't have COVID. Like I just right, feel safe and lucky and and I'm writing amazing and, and, and I, I, amazing like cool stuff is coming out of it. So um, I'm lucky in that respect. That's great. Right. I know that was a mouthful. I'm sorry. No,
1: I love it. I love it all. Yeah. But the, the obsession with comedy is so real. And you hear a lot of people talk about it, even like some of the greats, like you get into a mode where suddenly you become obsessed with it and it's just, it, yeah.
2: yeah. What's I'm that like for great- you? That when I go into my teaching mode in a few weeks, like I'm going to be, I'm going to mourn the ability to be obsessively focused on comedy right now mm-hmm. because it, being a teacher allows me to obsessively focus on whatever I want in the summertime. Um, and I always was able to sneak it in. In fact, I want to tell you the best comedy I have, all the comedy, my better bits are written when I'm at work. Because in between classes, I might have two two hours to myself. So I shut my lights out in my classroom. I go to my computer, and I'm by myself. In my house, I'm never alone. There's always someone asking for a ring pop or a sandwich or something. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. So, you know, I'm, I'm always, you know, with kids around. So I, I don't get that concentrated time. But for some reason, it's I'm not focusing on teaching at all now. So I'm able to really... Um, incorporate a lot and uh i i met i've been meeting um pro comedians who are now offering coaching and i i'm careful and mindful like am i getting ripped off who is this person are they charging too much money but i've taken one-on-one sessions with amazing um professional comedians that have pulled stuff out of me that i didn't even know and told me about my voice and told me that when i whisper and pause people laugh like i don't know how to figure that out about myself you know what I mean so like like it's great things are happening I but you know in the midst of a disgusting pandemic that's killing people and we don't know about the uncertainty of the the future of the world but I'm trying to stay focused on something that keeps my mind off of all of that too
1: totally yeah Uh you need it do you have any like do you suffer from depression or anxiety or anything like that
2: um anxiety i would say i have anxiety my my whole family actually my mother was clinically depressed um mm. uh my ki- my oldest my 12 year old has um, anxiety and tics. He has like physical oh, tics, really? which is part of his anxiety, which is really hard to watch, but he handles it like a champ. Like he doesn't really even care. His little brothers, he has nine-year-old twin brothers who make fun of his tics, which makes it even worse. Like, I mean, not mm. in a mean way, almost in a loving, weird way. I mean, I don't know. It's probably really just but... <laughs> <laughs> are um, we all dysfunctional yeah, though yeah, we no, don't we know we what we're doing we are all dysfunctional i think um i to avoid anxiety and depression pile more on my plate than i can handle and then it's like i'm treading water and i can't there's no mm. time to think about things that i'm scared about worried about or or then i go the i swing the opposite side of the pendulum where um uh, I get, like, I don't want to get out of bed. So, like, it's either I'm Mm -hmm. all in with doing a thousand things or I'm, like, where'd she go? She's off the map. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So
1: Yeah, I'm the same way. I could totally relate. I have both. I have depression and anxiety. Had it my whole life. Um, But taking medication for it. um, Had to, like, bump it up a little during this, too.
0: Um,
2: Because it's just... World's fucked up right now. Up. <laughs> I, I, I did. I did one year. I did take one year of Prozac actually, and that okay. was for postpartum. After oh. my son was born, I was an I was a I mean, I really. They, my family had to have an intervention. I wouldn't let anyone near my son. Wow. I wouldn't. I would sleep. I was a mess. So I. I know the chemical. Aspect of it, and I was on that for one year, and and um, thankfully I got better. But it was scary. The cat when it when it when you know that it's chemical, it's you know it's scary to me. I know, mm-hmm. I know.
1: Yeah, it's scary, and it's just a pain in the ass too. Yeah, you know, it's like you got to do all this extra shit, like just to just to be like a normal person when like yeah. normal people are just walking around like yeah. I don't know, just with freedom.
2: Yes. Yeah, you know? yeah,
1: see that, yeah. So one of my questions for you would be, what would, what's your biggest lesson that you've had to learn to be an effective parent? Like, what's
2: your secret? Oh, God. Um, I feel like a failure all the time, so I don't even know what that, like, I, can't, I feel like it's hard to answer that question. When you say, how did, what was the biggest secret of effective parenting? I'm like, I have not figured it out yet because mm-hmm. I never feel like I'm doing the right thing. Like, I always feel like I, I'm i always telling myself I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. Like, even with COVID, when, when it first happened, my kids were not, like, they were, like, making fun of it. Like, it's corona time. And they were, like, fooling around about it. Mm-hmm. And I was, like... The world is shutting down, and I'm like, you know, the only way I could get them to be serious about it was I was like, "Do you want to die? Do you want all of us to die?" And I'm like, I probably shouldn't say that to them. I'm (laughs) adding, I'm probably adding now. I'm spreading Uh the anxiety, you know. But um, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they, they weren't even phased because I think it's just that that young generation that the really young kids are just like, I don't understand them at all. I almost feel like an old fart talking about it like that, (laughs) like. Like, you know how our parents talked about us, you know, like, why do they like that music or, you know, whatever it is. I feel like I'm talking the same way, but I don't, I don't Uh want to bridge that gap, but I just, I feel like I, uh, I don't get them at all. Like they're always like showing me stuff on TikTok.
0: They're Mm -hmm. laughing at
2: people getting killed, like on, on YouTube videos. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't understand. I, that's not really funny. I don't understand. And they're like, ma, you just don't get it.
0: No.
1: Oh my gosh. I think that last
2: one is a unique problem. That's the first I've heard of that. <laughs> oh, of kids laughing at crazy things like that? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh God. It's so bad. It's so bad. Like, you know, like it's, it's, it's the kids being like really the ones who are doing all that screen time on YouTube and, and TikTok and it's it, the stuff that they're exposed to is, is I can't even dream it up. I can't even mm-hmm. dream it up. And once yeah. in a while it come to me with a funny fact, like. Ma, what color are your nail beds? And I'm like, I don't know. They think they're white. And they're like, oh, that means you're calm. But if they're red, it means you're depressed. I was like, oh, that's that's interesting. Hmm, Interesting. (laughs) Mine are always red, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was like an iron deficiency or something. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Maybe your kids are going to be doctors. Maybe. Actually, one of them is really into like looking up weird medical stuff. So I think there's a good chance. Yeah.
1: Nice. So you'll be taken care of.
2: Yeah, hopefully.
1: Yeah, I know. (laughs) My daughter's always talking about, she's seven. She's always talking about ways to get rich. So I'm like, wow, I hope you're like the CEO of some company. Like, I don't know, like you're the next Jeff Bezos or something, but she's Um, always has these schemes like mom, if I sell all my toys,
2: I'll be really rich. (laughs) See now, girls think differently. I think than boys because I. If she's making a plan. My kids just yeah. say, "I want to be rich," and that's it. And I'm like, "Well, then you better get a good job," you know. Or and then they're just kind of like, "Like what?" No, let's put, let's put some YouTube on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's another thing. My daughter's like into being a YouTube star now because she watches
0: okay. all those
2: unboxing videos.
0: Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah.
2: Or kids yeah. playing like Fortnite. Yep. Yeah. No, my kids are always on those with the Fortnite and like, and also like we've literally, the Fortnite is back. We have three boys. Well, two only play, the younger ones play Fortnite. The older one doesn't, but um, mm. they're always asking, you know, like the, the latest OG skin and the latest yeah. skin and legendary skin. And it's only going to be in the, in the market for like, you know, a little <laughs> time or whatever. And I'm like, oh, uh-huh. this is, I go. I try to tell them that's a marketing scheme. They don't care. They want that yeah. fake, you know, legendary skin. I tell them all the time. I feel like we spent our whole stimulus check on Fortnite. <laughs>
1: oh um, so maybe your secret is kind of like going back to that, like how you were talking about failures, which I definitely relate to that too. Um, like there are moments where I'm just like, I shouldn't have said that. I think I, I think that's a therapy appointment now in the future. Yeah. You know. Uh huh. Yeah. But maybe the secret is just you kind of resign to those. You resign yourself to those failures, and yeah, I don't
2: know. I can't. I try not to be too hard on myself. You know, like some moms, they have this, like they say these things, like in their heads, like "I am enough," or mm-hmm. you know, I am, whatever it is, and I'm, you know, I just, you know, I try my best. That's all I can do. You know, I um, it's it's a difficult, it's a challenge, you know, with kids, and I feel like I feel like kids end up presenting their parents anyways for something I don't know. you know what I mean as long as I try my best I feel like yeah it should be good enough hopefully
1: I always tell myself things like first of all I've always said this since I was pregnant I was like if Snooki can push out a baby so can I mm-hmm. you know like ways to like talk myself up and feel brave about things or yeah. you know I'm like no one's figured out parenting because everyone's in therapy, everyone's fucked up, everyone's on some medication, you know. Yeah.
2: So yeah. And I don't even I honestly don't even know how to raise my kids um, organically or wholesomely um, um, like they're so inundated with all of this social media and the and the television and the screen time and the video games and the mm-hmm. and it's so hard to I don't think we have any control over who they become. I mean, I, I feel like that's, I, I don't know, but some parents have it down though. I see the parent and I see the kid is just like the parent. And I'm like, how did they do that? Like, how did they, Cause I, <laughs> I, my kids are not, I'm not that I want them to be like me, but I want them mm-hmm. to have the values that I have or the, the okay. empathy, the empathy it's, mm-hmm. you know, to teach the empathy or the, you know, it has to be a readiness thing with that, but it's like, you know, like, um. We have a dog, we have a great Dane, and, uh, wow. and I felt like having animals was going to help them learn empathy and, and love and you know mm-hmm. because of that, and it does it really does, you know, because I, I truly feel like anyone who doesn't like animals there's something mm-hmm. wrong with that in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's me
1: actually I'm the one oh, that's no. like I can't I can't do pets like I respect them I don't want yeah. a- them to be treated cruelly in any way yeah. you know but I could just do without
2: we could do without them I get that too because they are a lot of work they're dirty a little bit and like yeah I just
1: think of the work it's the work it just I don't know and I also like I want to be a good pet owner too. Yeah. like yes. you see
2: that people that don't take care of their animals, that right?
1: don't, you know, or they have like huge dogs and tiny apartments. Why? Yeah. And they yeah. don't take them out as much as they should. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to be like a disrespectful pet owner. I get it. So
2: yeah. it's I a know. lot of pressure. <laughs> I, I know it is. It is. But then again, it goes along with my whole pile on more stuff that I don't need. Like when I True. had my three little boys, I had my three little boys, and they were all under the age of three at one time, Jesus. And, and then I went and got a great dame. So like, that's just filing <laughs> on more.
1: You got them a horse.
2: I know, <laughs> I know, but they love them so much. They really uh-huh. do. And I, I think nice. it's of the way I was raised. My dad let us have all kinds of animals in our house. Yeah. And if we found a baby animal, like he would let us take it home and take care of it. So I'm kind of um, trying to do that with them too, because I just feel like it teaches them a, a connection with another being because we're so disconnected like mm-hmm. in this day and age I feel like so
1: yeah I think you're on the right track with that especially very like dogs are just like loving you know
2: yeah 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 they, there's a lot that. that they're looking for them all the time they're oh, you know, they're always, you know, asking me to pick up treats for him and things. So they're thinking about him and his well-being, which is, I think, a good thing. So
1: Totally. Yeah. Now cats, on the other hand, they're dead. Yeah. Now I don't like
2: cats. Even though I I did rescue two cats from Hurricane Floyd. I don't know if it was a long, long time ago. It was Mm. years and years ago. But I did have two cats, but my, my husband, then boyfriend, was allergic to them. And we were getting engaged, so I gave them away. And then mm-hmm. I never had another cat again. So, And they are. They are just kind of like, they want you when they want you. They don't want you. Yeah. They, want you. They,
1: they withhold you. love. They
2: act like they're going to be affectionate, and then they scratch you or bite you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> if you do anything to piss them off, they'll piss
2: in your bed or yeah. shit yeah. in your shoes. Yeah, cats are weird. <laughs> they're bitches. That's how they are. I can't except if you get a cat that really shows affection then I guess you feel like you beat some sort of like you really you know like you're special there
1: are some cats that act like dogs yes and those are the good cats but in my experience I've never never seen a good cat like that so how did you get into comedy
2: Uh, my sister is a comedian that's and, right, yes, who I know. She, yes, and we met her, right? And we met mm-hmm. her at Chris de Blasio's. Uh, yeah. Fun that, was fun, fun yeah that was a fun night. Yeah, that was a fun night. And um, so she's um, she's been doing comedy for over 20 years, on and off. And she's like the original, for me, like the mom calm. Like she's really like about, she when we were, She started when her kids were little, little, and she had the funniest bits about just being a mom and the challenges of being a mom. Mm -hmm. And um, it wasn't until about a year ago, a year and a half ago that she um, said, come to an open mic with me. And we went to the boiler room in Garfield. And um, I, uh, I just did my first open mic. And then I was like, wow, this is fun. Like I could you know, it's therapeutic almost, you know, so, mm-hmm. and then that was it. And then I was hooked, but the, 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 downfall was I couldn't go anywhere. Like I would do one open mic a month and then I, but I felt like I wanted to do so much more. So um, it was hard for me to dedicate the time to it. And what I ended up doing was I, after just a couple open mics, I applied to a show like a competition show um it was called the big red buzzer and it was at scotty's comedy cove and i applied for that show and i actually i came in second place which was really exciting for me yeah so from there then i got other bookings like all of a sudden i was thrown into like doing 10 minute shows like at tiffs and i was brand new only did like three open mics and like literally flying by the seat of my pants and um really had to uphold the smoke and mirrors that I knew what I was doing. Cause I really didn't know what I was doing, but I just, mm-hmm. I wrote obsessively a 10 minute set over and over again. And I practiced it on teachers at my high school where I teach in my office. And they were like my editors, they would like rip it up. They'd be like, uh, uh-huh. baby's crying at Marshall's is not funny. And they, would, <laughs> you know, like, and then they, would, <laughs> and I went through my set with them like for two weeks. And then I memorized it and then I did it at TIFFS and it worked out, you know, but, and then that's it. Then I just, now, now I'm working in a whole new format with the Zoom and the, I don't know. It's just, it is what it is with me. Like, I don't know any difference. So I guess maybe that's why I'm acclimating well to it. I'm not really sure. Cause I know I talked to comedians who were working 20 years and they hate this. They don't like the Zoom and I get it too. Cause I panicked the first few times on Zoom I felt mm-hmm. like I was gonna hit the leave meeting button like 20 times during the middle <laughs> of my set. That's the nice thing about Zoom though. I mean, if you freak out, you can just disappear from the stage, <laughs> if you mind? I never even thought of that as an option. It's <laughs> not an option and you probably can never go back to that show again if you do yeah. that. But I felt like it was my safety button. I was just like, eh, am, I, am I bombing? <laughs> Just blame it on the Wi-Fi or something. I'll be like, oh, God, I'm getting a a, oh, There's there's something wrong (laughs) with (laughs) my
1: You know, the other day I was doing an open mic on Zoom. um, And during it, the power just went out for like a second, I guess just because it's been so hot. Everyone has their AC on. Right. But so it just kind of flickered, but I got kicked out of it and I was like, fuck, I'm about to go up soon. Like I gotta like be respectful and like watch the comics and stuff. Like I didn't want them to think I was being like an asshole.
2: Jump yeah, just leave after. But.
1: Yeah. Cause I'm I'm such a people pleaser. I always think about the other person, which is a problem. Yeah. But um so that's going on and I'm like trying to get my husband to like I'm like trying to get his attention I'm like hey like help me out here help me out then I get a text from my brother-in-law who lives in the building and he's like the fire alarm's going off now I think it was tripped up by the uh the power outage so now we have the fire department coming in and then my husband's like running downstairs to like meet them and this is also while we're in quarantine because we uh, went to LA recently so I'm like are you sure you should be by like by anyone right now? He's like, I'll stay six feet apart. It's okay. God. Um. So then I go up and I'm like, guys, if you see a fireman like coming into frame, like just know this is going on. <laughs> and I just do my set and like act yeah. like nothing happened. It's, it's like, hard.
2: I, I gotta tell you, I feel like what you just said is training us for any kind of, situation that can happen on stage. I mean, if you can work through what's happening in your house, especially with, I feel like with my three kids and my husband and my dog, half the time, because when I'm on a, when I do the shows that I do, they want us to stay in frame. They want the camera on, they want the mic on unless a dog is barking or fireworks are going on or something, or the ice cream truck is going by
0: mm-hmm.
2: and we're supposed to mute, but otherwise they want it on. So like my, all of a sudden, a fight breaks out in my house with my kid screaming and yelling. My husband's yelling at somebody and I have to mute it. And then somebody will come in the room where I'm on this show, but I have to, I should stay in frame. And all you see is this. (laughs) And I'm just screaming, but I am muted because I'm just yelling. And actually that added to a comedy bit that I did recently in a show Uh because After that happened, then of course I had to talk about, you know, what was happening. But um, I also was in a show recently um, that my uh, son was having a tantrum about not wanting to take his Zoom piano lesson Mm. and um, melting down. And I was going on like in five minutes and um, we couldn't, it was hard to, to fix the situation. And, um, I was going on in 10 minutes and I, and there was going to be like important people watching. It was like somebody was, we were told that maybe corporate booker was going to be in the audience and not that I'm in any position for that, but now corporate is doing online zoom shows. So you could potentially, if you get your, contacts, right, you could make $100 for a 10-minute set up to $1,000, depending if you're popular or not, whatever, for a 10-minute set on a corporate-booked show that's Zoom. You know, so it's like, all these opportunities are happening. I'm not that I'm, I I don't know if I have my finger on the pulse of it, but I'm at least aware of it. And I was getting ready to go on there, and I was like, I'm in such a bad mood. I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't, can I sign on? Should I not show up? If I don't show up, I, I lose this contact I called my sister and I was like, I'm in such a bad mood. What am I going to do? I got to go on in five minutes. And she's like, do the Wonder Woman stance, which actually, oh, for some yeah. reason, she's like, just like, get your arms up.
0: Uh-huh. And,
2: and I stood there in the corner of my porch doing the Wonder Woman stance like for five minutes <laughs> <laughs> before I went on and it worked. I was able to pull myself together. But mm-hmm. I guess, you know, when you're in a show situation and in real life, things happen when you're there anyway. You got to pull mm-hmm. yourself together. Yeah. Um, I find in a Zoom show it's hard for me to get ready to go on when I'm watching carefully and listening because you're right there, like we're you're right here and I'm right here, so um, it's hard to um, get your own in your own head to do your own set when you're watching right and especially if the person is in speaker view and they're filling the whole screen. Um, so what I end up doing sometimes is the person before me, I mute my um, I don't mute my mic, I mute my speaker. So I don't uh. have to hear. Because I get confused. Even at open mics, I get confused when somebody's really funny on stage and I'm watching. When I laugh, my mind trips and I go, What's my set about? Like what am I talking about? Like and so I have to I have to mute my own computer just so I could get into my own head. You know, that's one of the strategies on Zoom, at least that I use.
1: Yeah, that's another thing. Is memory? My memory's yeah. fucked up. Like once, once I had my daughter, my yes. memory was just weird. Like I remembered really important things and forgot like things, like oh, what's my second grade teacher's name, which right. is cool. But yeah. then I was also forgetting sets, and like it just right. takes me a lot longer to memorize stuff.
2: To memorize, you know, it's it's so weird. And then like I and I try all different ways of. Of working like I try from memorization and then I I try from just speaking from the heart like and having a conversation Mm -hmm. with somebody but like then I always can't I can't like you said I can't rely on my memory like all of a sudden I think I'm gonna go blank you know the nice thing about zoom too is you can have a couple notes that no one can see so you can like oh yeah not you know obviously not like real like long sentences obviously but like a couple key words to remind you what's coming next, what's coming next. Like, I guess it's kind of like having a list in front of you at the club, but I, I don't always like to, I don't like to read off of anything. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit different. Yeah, sure. Yeah,
1: Sometimes know. I'll sneak my notebook, like as long as it's out of view, you know?
2: Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's just something to jar your memory, you know? Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I don't think Zoom comedy, if, if this pandemic disappears, hopefully, hopefully it just somehow, some way, goes away whatever happens um you know i know zoom is not going to replace in-person comedy obviously you can't it's not the same for the audience it's not the same sometimes i think zoom comedy is more for the comedians than it is for the audience Mm because um i'm not sure how much i mean i've seen some comedians do amazing stuff on zoom to really engage the audience. And then I've seen some just be like everybody's I'm glazed over trying to watch Mm -hmm. them. You know what I mean? So, um, it, it, it's different in person. I feel like you can hold someone's attention longer or like they're having their drink and they're, I don't know. It's just a very different, uh, feeling, but, um, I feel like the zoom is helping me hone my craft more. Whereas on stage it's, 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 um, it's a different, it's exercise altogether.
1: It is. It's totally yeah. different. Um, so there's a lot of um, shows that are popping up outdoors. Have you... Are you setting your sights on those, or Are you just kind of waiting for the first wave to go by? What are you doing? See,
2: I'm trying to see what what happens with the first wave. Like I was invited to a couple that are out there, and they look fun. They look nice they do. With I mean, like the one, the flamingos in um, in Hack and Sack looks fun, and 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 it's like a strip bar too. It's which kind of is intriguing a little bit, I guess. But mm-hmm. it's like um, I'm not ready to uh, risk it for. For that, yet I feel like um, you know I think in that interview at Chris's house you divulged that you wrote for almost a whole year, right? Was yeah, that correct? I wrote for a whole year before going on stage because I was chicken shit. I remember that, but you know what? That I think that that is brilliant. I think that that is smart, and I think what I'm doing right now is kind of going back to where uh, to the beginning because. I kind of jumped in and then I got these show opportunities and I really wasn't ready. And then I had to like, kind of like pedal really fast, not thinking about the real method and the crafting of the words and then the rewrite and the practice. I never took a class before. So I feel like I'm going back to that whole year of you writing and I'm, I'm not dying to get out there. I feel like it's a distraction for me to try to get out there right now because you know, and then sometimes I look at some of the venues, too. It's like in an alleyway by a dumpster. Like, I yeah. don't really I'm not to out by an alleyway and by a dumpster in the I middle know. of a global pandemic. Like, COVID I, is there in the alley. It's in the <laughs> alley
1: by the dumpster, and yeah. I don't want to
2: stand next to it. No. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then there's a the thing of sharing mics, too. Like, how does that work? Like, right. I, I, I might just throw a condom
2: on mine. I think they have covers and somebody said it's kind of like a condom that goes over the the mic, which is kind of weird in itself. And I don't know. I I probably would just be staring at that. I know holding
1: that to your face. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, no, I gave this up once I got married. (laughs) Exactly,
2: That was over in the first year of marriage. Yeah, exactly. That's girlfriend shit.
0: Why
1: don't we just wrap up now? I think we had a really great conversation. Thank you so much for being a part of this um
2: so happy thank you do
1: uh what what's your handle where can people find you okay
2: so i am jessica miranda on facebook and i am jessica miranda uh comedian on on uh instagram so and i also have um jessica miranda comedian.com is my domain for my web also awesome. which has not been updated since um March thirteenth <laughs>
1: <laughs> upcoming dates none <laughs> none <laughs> although you're busy as hell I always see I always see your Zoom shows popping up.
2: The Zoom shows you know and it's funny I should put them on my website. I really should but it's like this whole argument like is it valid, is it not valid, is it exercise, is it I, I, I should just put them up. I should just yeah, decide why not? That this is what it is and I'll put it up. So I'll probably make that decision. Maybe you'll see an updated version. I'm going to post it, you know, after my tomatoes and my string beans.
0: <laughs>
2: exactly. Thank
0: you so much. Uh huh. No was problem. So great to talk to you. You
1: too. Thank you all for listening to Liger Mom. Please subscribe, rate, and review. If you like the pod, why not tell your friends about it? You can email the podcast at ligermompodcasts at ligermompodcastgmail.com. Send me your questions or parenting tales. I'd love to read them on the podcast. And finally, please visit my website at elofromtheblock.com. That's E-L-O from the block. You can see my upcoming shows, well, when the world starts again. I'm Elizabeth Lopez, and thanks
0: for listening to Liger Mom, Tales from a Misfit Parent.